there needs to be an understanding that casting Black people who actually date Black people for not shitty reasons, don't lose that, is very urgent. Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Brittany. And this is For Colored Nerds. The weekly show where we peel back the layers of Black culture that we rarely discuss in mixed company. And this week, we are getting into Brittany and my favorite pastime reality dating shows. You have heard us go on and on about 90 Day Fiance, Married at First Sight, Love Island, and so on and so forth. But watching them as a Black person can be a little rough. Yes. So today, we're going to get into what those shows get very, very wrong. But I'll also be sharing one that gets it very right. Yes. And this is a show for the seasoned lover. A show that's messy, fun, and still kind of wholesome. And later, we're getting relationship tips from the host of Ready to Love and co-host of the Steve Harvey Morning Show, the one and only Tommy Miles, a.k.a. Nephew Tommy. All that and more after the break. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Tito's handmade vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. All right, y'all. So today we are going to talk about the sorry state of affairs for black people on reality (laughs) dating shows. Black people have not had the best experiences. Many of them don't even feature black people. Let's talk about The Bachelor, uh, you know, until late, <laughs> as of late. And the ones that do almost always seem to mismatch Black folks for fun. Like, essentially, the Black people who appear on these shows, they aren't necessarily set up to find matches. It feels like we're set up for the clips. Mm. And, you know, Black folks aren't always pursued by other contestants. Or if they are, you know, they're often fetishized with, you know, the politics of desirability at play. Do you see this too, Brittany? All of that stuff is certainly at play. You can usually catch me tweeting about it from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern watching Married at First Sight on Wednesday nights. But today, we're going to give you a few examples, you the listener, a few Mm -hmm. examples of how we feel these shows are basically designed to prevent Black people and especially Black women from finding love. So I want to start off, okay, if you don't mind me taking the mic for a second. Oh, please. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. I'm ready to talk about a show that we have all been chatting about most recently, which is Love is Blind season two. Yes. And you alerted me to this. I was actually going to skip this season. Oh, and then you were like, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. So Love is Blind, for those who don't know, is a dating reality show on Netflix. Uh, in which 15 men and 15 women are mixed and matched in these, like, pods where they cannot Mm -hmm. see each other, right? So, like, Mm -hmm. a man is on one side of this wall, women's on another side of this wall in these pods, and they can't see each other. They can just talk. And they're matching these pods so they can speed date. So, obviously, the catch is that they can't see each other 
mm-hmm. in these pods. They can only talk to each other through a wall. And so the emphasis supposedly is on the mental or emotional connection rather than the yeah. physical. Um, mm-hmm. and, then, and then when the contestants finally whittle down who they connected with, they get to see each other in person. The, and, and mind you, they can only see each other in person if they have proposed marriage yes. or accepted a marriage proposal. <laughs> okay. Because that's, that's not putting the cart before the horse. No, not at all. They <laughs> have to be engaged to see each other. Okay. And then, of course, after that, drama ensues. So um, Love is Blind returned for its second season on February 11th. And, you know, as I described, the idea is that this show is like a safe space for people who just only want to be judged by their character. But obviously, we know it's not that simple, um, especially if you're Black. In this season, more than the previous season, because the the first season, no one knew. No one who was participating in the show knew what they were getting into. The second season, the contestants could tell. And so they began at least a lot of the men began asking questions like um, about ethnicity, about background, about weight, body size. They would find ways to ask questions to sort of skirt the whole, I can't see you concept. I have to to interrupt too, because it's also just the most like not subtle, like attempts at this whatsoever. I mean, the show doesn't account for the fact that due to certain people's names, Uh, Sometimes people's accents or patterns of speech, cultural references. There are all sorts of ways that people can ascertain your race and what and 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 some idea of what they think you look like through the pods. Which brings me actually to my point. Sorry to spoil it, but whatever. If you've been on Twitter or anywhere online, you know Jared and Ayana, the black couple of season two, Love Is Blind, who uh, ultimately opted to get married at the end of the season. And you know, at first blush, let's say. Their connection seems pretty cute. Like if you didn't know them and you saw some of them, like the clips of them interacting on social media or whatever, they're pretty cute. They seem like they have some chemistry and like they kind of have a similar sense of humor. The thing is though, you see them in the pods and they're connecting, but you also see Jarrett, this black man who is, I mean, Jarrett's cute. He's, he, I, I won't say Jarrett's a bad guy. That's what I will say. I won't say Jarrett's a bad guy, but he ain't ready to be with someone like Ayana. Ayana is a really awesome black woman. Um, she has a great personality. She's really sweet, thoughtful, emotionally intelligent. And yeah. she just seems like an all-around cool person. Like if all the audience agreed that she was like the coolest person. Jared is a cool guy I would mm-hmm. be friends with. Mm-hmm. But if one of my girlfriends stepped to me and was like, oh, what's up with Jared? I would be like, girl, <laughs> don't waste your time. He's just not ready. So He's in the pods. He feels like he has connected with this, uh, with, with, with Ayana, but mostly with uh, a Latino woman named Mallory. Yes. Um, and he proposes to Mallory with a very specific ring. Okay. Mm. He had asked her what kind of ring she wants. She said gold. So he picked out a gold ring and he proposes to Mallory with this ring and she says no. And I'll be honest, something in her sixth sense was just like, Jared's cool. Jared's not ready. Jared, Owns a mobile hookah business. Right. When she asked what you do for work, he's, he's a healthcare like, professional. But he said, he's like, oh, also I buy and resell sneakers online and I have a mobile hookah business. I'm like, sir, during a pandemic, are what? He said, if you can't tell, I have a big entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. That's literally <laughs> like, yes, what he you said. you do, sir. And I was like, you <laughs> absolutely do. But like, whatever. So I think someone, on some level, she was like, this is not going to give me the long-term results that I want. So she went with this other guy, Sal. So I'm going to show you what happens, though, like how what Jarrett decides to do after Mallory turns him down. 
I was so sure that I wanted to be with you. I can't help but to think like, if Mallory had said yes, that you would have proposed to her. And I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, my feelings for you don't just subside in I know a that, couple I know hours. that, but I deserve someone who wants to be certain about me. And I feel like this whole process is all uncertainty. And I feel like that's why I was going back and forth every day. I think her telling me no just really kind of just gives me my validation that I needed, you know, because I Ooh. I was, I knew that I could see myself with both of y'all. And I think her telling me no, like it just, it's, it made my decision easier. Yeah, but how <laughs> is she supposed to feel good about that? How is she supposed to feel good about that? <laughs> how is she supposed to that's feel good about rough. that? Yeah. And for what it's worth, funny enough, that, that, I feel like that framework of just like, well, the process means I have to do, uh, I have to, like, really keep myself available to every possible woman but you, you know. And now I realize that, like, I don't necessarily need to do that anymore. But I had to make my, I had to propose to this other woman. Exactly. Exactly. So, <laughs> at that, after that, after that interaction, I also, he's like, you know, I, it was between the two of you, but she said no, and that made my decision a lot easier. I'm like, it what does. the fuck is she supposed to gather from, like, obviously... And so uh, she actually ends up walking out of the pod hmm. and she like takes a pause in the hallway and then decides to keep on walking. And I was watching. I was like, Ayana, my girl, she's not, <laughs> she's, she's standing up. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? She's standing up. She's not weak in the knees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next day he actually proposes with a ring that was intended for Mallory. Oh. And she says, yes. Um, does she, uh, does she know that the ring? That's unclear. I, I hope okay. that comes out at the, um, uh, th- we're we're recording this at the time that the reunion has not happened. I am curious to see what happens at the reunion. To see yeah. if they, if they, because she knows now. She's definitely seen the episode. <laughs> it's clear. I get the sense that Jared didn't bring that up before. I'm going to come back to the ring in a second. So she says yes. So there's always this big reveal moment, you know, when an engaged couple decides to finally meet in person for the first time because they propose again in yeah. the pots. They can't see each other. So finally, they're able to see each other. He can get down one knee and propose in person. Again, with the ring he had intended and picked out specially for Mallory, right? Mm -hmm. So Ayana comes out and they hug, they kiss. He gets down when he proposes. She loves the ring. She's like, oh my gosh, this ring is beautiful. She's like, and it matches my dress. She's wearing this beautiful orange dress. And I'm sitting there like, girl, you don't even know the half of it. Then we have this cutaway. Where he's like, he's like, yeah, you know, Ayana, she is so fucking beautiful. She looks totally different than what I imagined. Her voice does Ooh. not match what she looks like at all. Man, oh man. She's fucking beautiful. <laughs> like, she just fits like a glove when I hug her. I didn't expect her to, to look like that. I, her voice does not match what she looks like, but I'm happy as hell. So I was thinking, like, that's a weird yeah, kind as of a first thing observation. to say. <laughs> right. The other thing that happens is after the engaged couples get engaged and meet in person, then everybody, the entire cast from the show, goes to on vacation together to the same resort, and they all have to meet. So there is this, like, mixer situation with alcohol, and the couples are seeing each other for the first time. Because remember, everyone in this experience only has met or seen in person the person that they are engaged to. So when they finally have this mixer, Mallory and Jarrett 
get to meet for the first time. Mm. So I'm going to show you a clip of Jared talking to Mallory, just a snippet from this conversation, because they had an extended combo on that night. Love, so easy. But most men in the sports and things like that, or like that connect me in that aspect, they don't put me priority. They don't know how to fucking be like, hey, you're a bad bitch. Like, let me just like... You're beautiful. You're like, let me do things for you. Let me, like, you're gorgeous. Like, I don't even need that. that. I knew that. But, like, once oh a week, fucking wild. It's like, a sale. like, I'm tired of, like, I would have done that. Oh, oh. That's, I mean, that's just a clip. That's the reason why I share that clip with you is because it's just the most cohesive that we could cut that would make sense in <laughs> audio. This conversation is wild. During this episode, he remarks to someone else that, and also to her, that he knew that she was fine when he heard her voice. Oh. And he always knew that she was going to be beautiful. Um, he said basically, yeah, that when he had a dream about what she looked like. She had dark curly hair and also uh, remarks. He makes comments about the ring. Like Jared has this whole moment where he's like, oh, how do you like your ring? I know you hate your ring. It's not gold. Yeah, (laughs) it's not gold. And and he's like, I got you a gold ring. And he's like, you know why? Because I asked. While all this is happening and they're having all this conversation, Ayana, his fiance is looking on. Sal, her fiance is looking on. And they're both feeling like shit. Like Sal actually really upset. She looked disappointed. And yeah. she actually kept her cool. Sal cried. That's a big thing for him. Sal cried. He told the producers that he he wanted to leave and that he knew that she Dang. didn't even like him, which the rest of the season that kind of bears out. But he's going on and on, and on about this ring and about how, oh, you, I got you. this. Other. Your fiance is wearing it. This woman that you say you like neck and neck. I mean, they have a whole point in there where she's like, I didn't know that I was your number one. He was like, of course you were. You just had a conversation with Ayana in the pods talking about how you don't want her to feel like she was number two. And then you're telling Mallory when you get out how old she's number one. So at the end of the day, they do get together. They manage to kind of make their relationship work. Ayana expresses throughout the season that she feels like Jarrett isn't making her a priority. He likes to go out. He still wants to go out and stay out to three, four o'clock in the morning with his friends on weeknights. And she doesn't like to do Mm -hmm. that. She prefers to stay home and be chill. And then the rest of the season, she's still like, questioning like okay well you actually asked like like you asked Mallory to marry you first if she had yeah. said yes we wouldn't even be here so like I don't feel like a priority in so many respects but then they learn to sort of joke with each other and have fun and it's cute to watch but ultimately you can't get out of the back of your mind I couldn't get out of the back of my mind that I'm just like there's this black woman woman that you knew was black in the pause you couldn't see her and you mm-hmm. and you saw her and she was so much more beautiful than you thought she was going to be. And he remarks on that for the rest of the season. He's like, oh, you know, people are like, what do you love about Ayana? And he's like, her beauty and her resilience. And I'm like, Lord. those are that, that is that is the red flag phrase of a motherfucker who is ready to weigh you down yeah, <laughs> for at least the next three to 20 years. And then meanwhile, you know, he's like, he knew that the Latina was fine when he heard her voice. He, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just yeah. like, they're imagining what a black woman is going to look like. Imagining what the Latina is going to look like. It's just, it's weird. And they're, I mean, I'll say Mallory and I both seem like cool people and they're both very beautiful. But it was definitely a thing of like, ooh, it was weird to watch Ayana be in this position, this total catch who 
doesn't need Jarrett at all. Damn. In this position all season where she just felt like she was second best. And then ultimately what she gets in the end, gets a husband. They stay together. But like, you know what I mean? Like, what is she really getting at what cost? Yeah. Everybody knows that she was this man's second choice. It was just so weird to see this woman, a woman like her in a position where she felt like she needed to impress or try to hold on to, you know, a man like Jared, who is cool, but he ain't husband material. He ain't boyfriend material. I agree from what I saw. And, and honestly, this is part of the thing that, of, of things that stress me out about reality dating shows. It's like one of the things that I wish there was a better way to affect. And is that like, Ayana has to do the work in the TV show, right? Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. is like in the pod. She do, this, all the cameras are around. She knows there's so much attention on her. And she has to do the work to figure out, oh, right, this man clearly has colorist like I, ideals and attitudes towards mm-hmm. me. They come out very subtly. And he clearly has been positioning me this way. She has to be able to do all that work to contextualize what like the subtext of what's at play for him while also trying to figure out, you know, whether or not she wants to be in a a relationship with him for the rest of her life. And mind you, yes, she chose that. But there's still like, that's still a lot of pressure on a person, uh, especially who's being subjected Mm -hmm. to not, again, not just kind of shitty behavior, but like a very specific type of shitty behavior. Yeah, I mean, Ayana's 27. I don't know if 33-year-old Ayana would be going for all this. (laughs) But I felt like it was like, let's lower the standards because this guy picked her and he makes her laugh. There's got to be more to it than that. There should be. And and like that point is a great transition to uh, another show that we both watch and are, I I would say enjoy, but are also like pained by. (laughs) Uh, And that is... Married at First Sight. <sighs> Brittany and I have talked at length about this it, uh, on Twitter. We've been fans of the show for a while. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, you know, I'm going to need to catch you up really quick. Uh, because we are on, uh, I mean, like season, I think, 14 or... or I think it's season it's 14, se- yeah. We're on like season 14. The shit has a ton of seasons. They pump them out. Oh. And the title says it all. Literally, two people are paired <laughs> by quote-unquote experts... Coming back to that. Uh, And they are made to marry each other immediately. And you watch them for uh, roughly like two months. So it's about eight weeks. They have eight weeks to see if they're going to stay in this marriage or get divorced at the end. Again, real marriage, real divorce. Okay. So that brings me to Olajuwon and Katina. Okay. When you say those names to people who watch the show, you get that exact reaction. (laughs) Let's start with Katina. Uh, She's in her kind of late 20s. And she's at that point in her life where she clearly, she describes herself as a little bit of a party girl. But she's trying to make the transition, right? And she's excited to get married, excited to settle down with someone. Um, Has not, it seemed like she has not really been in like a long, long term relationship in a while, if at all. And then you have Olajuwon. Okay, now Mm -hmm. Elijahwan is (sighs) like, oh my God, Elijahwan is he is a (laughs) he's a black man, he's a trainer. Uh, He has also been a party guy in his life, but he Mm -hmm. describes that almost in like in the worst possible terms you could ever ever hear. (laughs) He talks about how he just used to like run, literally run through women. He described. Like with pride, how he used to tell women he had a different name uh, to make it easier for him to date multiple women at the same time. Mm -hmm. He acknowledges not being a decent guy in a relationship Mm -hmm. ever. Um, And, you know, he is like, but I'm here to change it all 
for you. I'm going to get it right this time, which I have to clarify is the first time he is ever trying to get it right. (laughs) That is, whoa. Is that the Uh, only first? Is that the only first though? (laughs) No. And that's actually not the red flag that I'm raising, believe it or not. (laughs) The red flag, Mary First Sight dropped this in episode eight, which is like representative of the level of chaos that the producers can sometimes bring. Um, In episode eight this season, you find out that Olajuwon has never dated, now dated, I mean, or been in a relationship with a black woman. This man is like of a big age, you know? Like he is, he is like late, not late in his life, but he is like, he's been around. He always talks about how it's not hard for me to get women. And, you know, I, I, I could like, I could meet women. I can meet women, but I'm, now I'm looking for the right thing. But all that time, you have never been looking for a black woman. Mm-hmm. That is a huge issue and representative of something that happens a lot. And so at that point, I'm like, fuck. The, <laughs> the small hope that I might have had that Olajuwon could turn this shit around and like maybe be decent to Katina. Katina, she's still, she's still at that young age where she's she's waffling on whether or not she's ready to stop having fun and maybe turn her interest towards something a little bit more serious relationship-wise. We've all been there. But Olajuwon uses, he uses a degree of that to his advantage. So like mm. he, he, you know, again, I want to set up what, what not dating Black women means for her. One, Olajuwon is coming to this relationship with a remarkable amount of very specific ideals for what his wife should be in the relationship. He wants her to cook. He wants her to clean, regardless of whether or not she has a job. He is a trainer, okay? And no no shade to trainers, but like the way he talks is as if he is Jeff fucking Bezos. He has a government job. He has a government job too? Sure. I Trust me, I did not know this. My fiance cleared up for me. Um, Olajuwon has a government job and that is part of the reason also why he... Is one of only two people who own their home. Okay, so I'm gonna go back over because I want to come to that point in particular. He has a he clearly has a job. He also is a trainer. He's you know maybe has a big entrepreneurial spirit. Who knows how he's (laughs) uh, getting what he has? Uh, But he has been he has been on this like functionally like trad wife shit since like the beginning of the show. And you know and like I've I've actually started to see people push back on like whether or not it is okay for him to be as like indignant about the fact that Katina needs to be cooking and cleaning all the time. And so folks are like, well, actually, Olajuwon is one, he clearly has some money. He's one of the only people who has like his own place. Uh, He has multiple jobs. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, I'm going to provide, I'm going to do all these things. Why is it not okay for him to want her to cook and clean, you know, from scratch, mind you, Uh, is a very specific type of cooking and cleaning. He want her to damn near mix the Lysol that she is going to use to wipe down the counters. <laughs> um, the thing about that, though, is like none of it feels inclusive of what remotely Katina wants. Mm-hmm. And you see that over and fucking over with him continuously pushing her boundaries about what she says she does want. She is very clear with him. Like, hey, I want you to like, sure, push me a little bit. He's a pusher. He is. But that, but she, that scene yeah, when they went horseback riding. Yes. 
like a horseback riding. And she is very, she's afraid from the beginning. She's like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't know that I feel good about this. And he's like, well, you should still try to do it. This means you should try to do it. I'm going to be here with you. Mind you, she gets on the horse. The horse is kind of bugging out a little bit, not a whole mm-hmm. lot, but, but bugging out a little bit. And he's just like very intense. Just take down his energy for me and just go slower. Just relax. The horse knows. It, it's been trained. You're not the first person to ride it. You're not going to be the last. It's okay. Okay. If the horse wanted to throw you, it would have threw you all the way back there. Don't say that. I'm saying, have confidence in yourself. She was taking a little bit of the positive energy out of me, but I don't want to lose my life experience because somebody else feels like they don't want to give it a full chance. It's really, really intense. And she tries to communicate with him basically after, at multiple points, hey, this did not make me feel good. And his, like, his takeaway, more often than not, is like, mm, I like that. I like that I'm able to push you to that point. Because mm-hmm. you still did what I said you could do at the end, right? That's mm-hmm. fucking dangerous. What Elijah did essentially in that moment is test Katina to see, yeah. could I create so much discomfort for her that she's basically on some level not quite willing, but she feels it's necessary to put up with discomfort and do what mm-hmm. I say. Mm-hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Essentially, she quote unquote passed in his mind because she did stay yeah. on the horse. She expressed afterward that she was uncomfortable, but she hasn't ended their relationship. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or changed it in any meaningful way. He is testing her to see if she can be broken. It is a very common thing that emotionally abusive people do, not just in romantic relationships either, but that's a very common dynamic. And let's talk about how that escalates to what I saw this week or this most recent week. So Olajuwon this week, you know, they're sitting down, they're having dinner and the producers often give them like lists of questions or activities that they're to do to kind of get to know each other better Mm -hmm. and uh, communicate more deeply about their emotions. Mm -hmm. So one of the first questions is, do you feel like you are falling in love with me? And she asks him that and he goes, well, you should answer first. And which is never a great sign in that type of situation. Mm. Uh, and she goes basically like, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm moving closer to that. You know, like, like I, like I care about you a lot. We are getting to know each other. I feel like we're moving in that direction. Mm-hmm. And his response is basically like, uh, uh-uh. I don't, I don't know. I just can't say that I'm there yet. You know, uh, I, I know what a wife is supposed to be. I just haven't seen it yet. You just need to be working harder. I gotta have an answer for myself is, is she enough woman for me as a wife? I do feel as though I am putting an effort, but I can see the areas where you do put more than me. Um, like you're, you're, you're still learning, you're still learning. And there's nothing wrong with that. Cause there's things in, in other fields, I'm still learning. But when it comes to a marriage, those are some of these things are the things that I expect to be already there. I'm trying to figure out if you have that base. That's really what I'm trying to figure out right now. Now, mind you, before this point in the episode, she has already communicated to him that she is trying to be more of the type of wife he's looking for. She goes to um, the grocery store and buys groceries so that she can make a meal from scratch for him. Mm -hmm. He got pissed at her because she had a friend help her pick up groceries before for an event that they were having. Just basics, like, I felt like you didn't apply enough to the housewarming. Because the food your friends got, cool, you called them, but you didn't grab it. Your friends went and got it. They brought that. I heard you, I heard I you say that. I would have done it. 
what if shit could have, but you you didn't, and you. I think you're being as your husband. As your husband, that's why I stepped up and I said, you know what, I'll take handle the chicken. Everything that those girls did, I told them to do all of that. I just physically did not do it because I was at the apartment. We had to go shopping. I did the decorations. And then even with the- Tina, you know, let me stop you, because you, you're okay. not even comfortable with what you just said. I am comfortable. I was with you when we did the shopping, and I was with you when, hold on, when we decorated. She put effort into my housewarming because we went and got the stuff, but I absolutely believe that she could do more. She is trying to cook for him. Mm. She was saying, I'm going to clean. He's like, he puts every, he puts his love in, like, uh, at the bar of her needing to clear this subservient type of uh, ideal that he has in order to access his love. Hmm. And that is really fucked up and toxic. Uh, it has no basis on what she might want or feel like is representative of her ideal of partnership in the, mm -hmm. in the relationship. And like, it puts her in a position because she already, as you mentioned, Brittany, she has already felt like I kind of need to go along with this to figure it out. Like, it puts her in a position for if she wants a marriage with this person that she needs to, like, sub, like submit, for lack of a better yep. word, yep. or endorse this type of behavior. Yep. And you can see how uncomfortable she feels with that tension. This is the show with experts. Right. And I mean, I mean, she ends that episode crying, like, in tears. And they reference a previous emotionally, verbally abusive relationship that she had been in. And... Yeah. It's comments like that that start that stuff off. It's it's like the switch ups. It's like Elijah wants pursuing her, <laughs> and then once you know she's kind of in the bag, the switch up happens, which is essentially kind of what we saw last night, where he is like, okay, well, oh, you're not. I don't love you. You're not doing this, 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 and this. It's so common, and like she was obviously triggered. She's yeah. obviously triggered, and like you said, the experts. Put them together. I will say this is like one of the only uh, times I've ever seen Pastor Cal who step in early yes. and check Olajuwon basically being like, it's not the 1950s. And this man is conservative. Yeah. Pastor Cal is he's conservative. And he's like, Olajuwon, you're doing too much. It's bad. Even on Instagram, for example, he made a post basically saying like, look, really? I, like we try as hard as we can. To like to really understand who people are before we put them together, mm -hmm. but there are things that we cannot. You know, what I'm saying like if they don't communicate with us, there are things we don't know. Basically, being like, I don't know who. Like this person that we are seeing was not the person that I saw. But this, there's a track record. This season actually hasn't quite yet gotten as bad as like the season with um, the characters Chris and Paige. Ooh. Where you saw a black woman continuously disrespected to her face about her appearance, her worth, like how she represented in the marriage, like all by at the hands of a black man who, again, like was over and over given chances to continue to enact this behavior to her. This is mm. a trend. This is a pattern, which brings me to my like largest thesis, you know. So like in all of these instances, in all of these shows, it shows a huge lack of cultural competency on the production when, like when pairing these black contestants. Y'all got to do better. I know that I agree with you, but mm -hmm. I want to hear more about what you mean when you say cultural competency. So, like, essentially what a black person sees as a red flag, you know, may or may not be what a non-black person sees. If you are not trained in how race affects different cultures' practices, it can make for some bad pairings. So, like, yes. look, I think it is safe to say a Black person may have weeded Chris 
from that previous season with Paige and Olajuwon yes. out of the picture very, very early. Especially with folks like Olajuwon. Like, there needs to be an understanding that casting Black people who actually date Black people for not shitty reasons, don't lose that, is very urgent. Yes, there's so many things that we know about each other and that we know about our culture and certain phrases that are like dog whistles that we would Mm -hmm. hear that maybe a like white or non-black producer or whoever might not. Even like, okay, this season with like Olajuwon. Olajuwon, Mm -hmm. one of his big things starting off was saying that he wanted a woman who's going to cook him hot breakfast every morning. Now, already, that is a wild (laughs) thing to say. Like, they were baiting Katina, basically, when they put her and Olajuwon together. But I think, like, having somebody on there who knows who DJ Academics, Fresh and Fit Podcast, <laughs> and Kevin Samuels are. Hear me out. Yes. No, Having somebody great. on the production great. team or the casting team who knows who those people are, they can ask those questions and weed those mm-hmm. people out. Because if I was a producer and I heard that from Olajuwon, I would have started asking him, like, what do you, what do you, what sort of stuff are you into online? What do you like to read about? What do you like to watch? That would have prompted me to ask questions about his beliefs. Cause it's not just him being traditional, quote unquote, or retrograde. I think what we're seeing now is like a black man in 2022 that's about Olajuwon's age, you know, pretty yes. young, like late 20s, early 30s, talking about wanting a woman to submit. There's a deeper cultural significance behind that. That's not just about him being, quote unquote, old fashioned or wanting to be a provider. I don't know what Olajuwon is doing in his free time, <laughs> but that sort of speech is a dog whistle to me as a black yeah. person that shows that he might also be really interested and supporting of all sorts of other dangerous ideas that are popular with Black men Mm -hmm. online and in our culture presently. If they don't bring people on the teams who have that skill, then you leave the contestants vulnerable. Exactly. And you're more vulnerable because there are only usually a couple of us and they always typically match us with each other Mm -hmm. or they match us with the fucked up people who like only date us. And so like Mm -hmm. it is urgent to have someone who can come in and protect us. This shit is ridiculous Mm -hmm. that this this is happening in this way across across most of the genre. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But there are things that could help. You know, mm-hmm. like there's some some key things that can help. Okay, so reality dating show genre. Yes, we want more black contestants. But what about more black experts? Yes. They, okay. And I'm I'm go if, ahead. If they say, are, put, are we talking about Pastor Cal? If they put first of all, <laughs> Pastor Cal, Pastor Cal is fine. He's fine. I know he's on marriage boot camp. I haven't seen him. My sister says marriage boot camp, he's on it, whatever. My thing about Pastor Cal is this they feel like they have one black expert. That's enough. Mm -hmm. And it's just not enough to have a black, very patriarchal, um, religious man, a pastor, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, not to necessarily speak ill of religion. That's not what I'm trying to do. But he's a proponent of a very popular aspect of Christianity, which is that the man leads the home. The man is the, the center of the home. And a lot of the advice that he gives out is patriarchal, which is why it was such a big deal when he called out Olajuwon this season. But the thing that, um, that I think really would shake the table at Married at First Sight is adding a black female expert. If you had eight mm. and not, again, going back to cultural competency, <laughs> not adding one of these divine feminine, whatever, no. black female experts, if you really had a black woman there who was going to call the shit out 
me keep things on course and really actually push some of these black men that are on these shows uh, and stand up for some of the black women because right now nobody's standing up for them. I think the other two female experts, um, Dr. Viviana Coles and um, Dr. Pepper Schwartz, uh, Dr. Pepper, who, who I like, I like, I like Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper is, she has real, real training and she's participated in some really groundbreaking studies. It's interesting that she ended up on this show. Um, yeah. Dr. Viviana Coles. I don't know what she's the doctor of doctor. She's the doctor of, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't know. But she's also very much of that trad wife mold, like that very traditional, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so sometimes when things happen to the black women on these shows, I don't think they realize just how deep some of the stuff cuts. And I yeah. think that having a black female expert who really was about some shit on the show to really be there for these black women participants, I think would make a really huge difference on all of these shows. But not just more like black experts. We need to start prioritizing the health of participants, contestants, whatever you want, people (laughs) over outcomes of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, think about Love is Blind. The show has a structure to allow them to be able to kind of plan Mm -hmm. and to be able to shoot things and have them follow a general arc. But like, all these couples should not necessarily get married. All the couples are married at first sight should not stay married. And we need to prioritize like, like communicating with them in a way that's going to help them ha- like be the best version of themselves over just like what is going to get two people married and then have it fall apart so we can like enjoy mm-hmm. it. And so like what is that what is prioritizing the health mean? It means we can add therapy to make sure people are like prioritizing their own personal health, not necessarily just talking about that in the context of making the relationship continue. But these are not crazy No, things. it's really not. The thing that that makes me I think the most distressed and I'm glad that you brought this up especially the therapy part, is that all of us watch these shows because it's like they remind you on some level of some of your own experiences. They can be relatable Mm -hmm. at times. And it's really important that people who watch these who are experiencing and witnessing like abusive dynamics on screen understand that like if they have something similar going on in their own lives, that's not okay. And when they don't have somebody step in and intervene and break things up or call it out, it's kind of just, sending the message back to the viewer, some of whom are probably young or inexperienced people, that what you're witnessing is within the confines of what's okay. What you're witnessing is just a matter of personal preference and not a matter exactly. of actual harm and danger and life and death in some cases. Exactly. Which is why I think I watching like, you know, that episode of Married at First Sight where um, Elijah Wan is talking to Katina like so aggressively about the fact that like she will not have his love mm. And she is not performing to the degree that she is, that she should be in his mm-hmm. eyes. And like what that means about her as like a woman and a Ugh. wife was so toxic. There's no end card. If you, you know, like um, mm. talking about like abuse mm-hmm. or just like even if you feel like you have less power in a relationship, like what you can do. There's, it just is like that's presented as like that's just what this couple is experiencing. Mm-hmm. That's not she's not great. Mm-mm. So anyway, you might be sitting here thinking, damn, Eric, like what can I, as an audience member who loves a, a high degree of mess, but still wants to see Black folks prosper in love, you know, what can I do? What can I watch? Mm. Is anything safe? Where could I go to watch a show that, like, gives me a little bit of that, but doesn't cause me so much pain? Well, guess what? I have got the perfect show for you, and I'm going to tell you all about it. I can't wait to even just talk about it with Brittany. And I'm going to do all of that after the break. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, welcome back. Welcome back. Look, I know we've been shitting on all these shows for a long time. <laughs> and for its worth, I still watch them. I will. I, I, I still can't watch stop. them. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a show that we feel like does a shockingly good job of having cultural competency. They have a just the right amount of mess and a whole lot of fun. And that show is on own. Shout out to Oprah. Shout out to Will Packer. It is called Ready to Love. Oh man, it feels good just saying the title. I know, I know. I have to say, I was not a big Ready to Love watcher until recently. To your credit, you have been banging the gong for Ready to Love for quite some time. And I know you have been so excited and ready to talk to people about the show. So give us a rundown. All right. So Ready to Love is, it feels very much kind of like a almost like simplified version of like a reality dating show. There's no like house. So there's not as much pressure. People live in their own home. You know, it happens in one yes. city. Uh, you know, they bounce around each, uh, each season. So this season, season. they're in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And one innovation, key innovation is it's a slightly older crowd. So, you know, whereas I feel like most dating reality shows feature kind of, uh, you know, people anywhere from, early 20s to kind of like topping out around Mm -hmm. early 30s. You know, I feel like 32. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Ready to Love is starting around like, you know, 30. uh, If you're 30, you're kind of young on the show. And it's going all the way up to probably about like early 50s. And it's a range of 10 women, 10 men, and they just literally go on different combinations of dates over and over to figure out if they like each other. Some people get voted off. But a lot of times it's not, it's not actually, there's not a lot of pressure. Something about it that I was not expecting is how sweet it would be. Like there's something 
about, I think, raising the age of the participants from mid-30s to early, mid-ish 50s mm-hmm. that really gives the contestants like an air of seriousness. Like they're yeah. really there because they do want to meet somebody. It's very contestant-led. Mm-hmm. And also like bad behavior is like there's consequences for it. Like yes. you mentioned that contestants can get voted off. Now this show is very like heterocentric at that. Like there's a group of female contestants and a male contestants. Although I feel like like a seasoned queer ready to love oh, yeah. could be that. really fucking good. Yeah. I think it could be really, really, really fucking good. Um, Will but Packer, where's that? <laughs> like they, the groups of men, if there's a woman that they feel like is being fake or that they're not connecting with or isn't like, maybe he's being condescending. That person gets voted off if, yeah. uh, with the women. If there's a man who's talking the same game to all a bunch of different girls or who is somebody who flies off the handle easily or just has a funky attitude or wants to be in control of whatever situation, that guy will get voted off because the women will just be like, "Mm, I don't want to connect with him. And I like that because instead of like having production decide who sticks Mm -hmm. around because that person gives ratings and drama, the actual people who are participating in the dating ecosystem get to decide who's in and who's out. I mean, to that point, it's like very, like, like you said, it's like, uh, you know, Potomac, DC, Houston, Atlanta, Mm -hmm. like these are places where we are. And like the other thing that's kind of nice about that is it feel like it's touching on the unique dating dynamics of those cities. You know, you mentioned like kind of people getting voted off, but in general, Mm -hmm. I think the, almost the accountability goes beyond just like the voting off being a tool. Uh, There is a secret weapon on the show and his name is (laughs) Tommy Miles. You might know him better as Nephew Tommy from, you know, the Steve Harvey morning show. I don't know if you mentioned to me when you first started talking about the show, I don't know if you mentioned that Nephew Tommy was the host. As soon Uh, as I realized it was him, I was like, sign me up. Sign me up for 10 more seasons. He is so charming and so authoritative and so like a big brotherly... Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Slash like cool, uncle like he's there for encouragement, a listening ear and a soft place to land. What a lovely guy. 10 out of 10. Absolutely. And like to that point, I want to show you how he manages the cast, like how he inf- like infuses account- accountability in almost like every piece of the show. Uh, so to kind of set up this clip, uh, there was a couple Liz and David on the last season that had kind of they've been dating a lot. and. Honestly, David, I think David was getting a little too in his head. He was like just up there really kind of freaking out. He had a couple of freak outs on a date. It wasn't going well. So the ladies got together and they decided to vote him off. And so it was Liz's job as she had been the primary one dating him to let him know that mm-hmm. his time on the show was over. So when she tells him this, he freaks out. He basically starts to recognize what is what the game is. And he, he goes off on her. He like gets Mm. loud. He kind of walks off. He doesn't allow her to like actually say the words and uh, provide any sort of closure. He just kind of bails. And so in the uh, in we're we're now in the this clip is from the reunion. And I Mm. just want to play you. He tries to justify this. And I just want to show you how uh, nephew Tommy responds. It comes through me. I am the person you address. I'm the person that you bring it to. Here's where I feel like it's not fair. Stacy, Andrea, you took them on dates and you told them that they weren't ready to love. Mm. They woman up and they took it. I didn't did. like it, but they took it. You know what I'm saying? So it just, it just looks like, okay, now it's your turn 
and you can't take it. So I'll, I'll pause it there. He, it actually keeps going. Yeah. He like ends up having to give him like a few lessons. Like, bruh, you still not getting it. But like, I actually feel like that is something you don't typically see in reality shows very often. One, he was like, let me tell you why, how you handled this wasn't fair. Like they ain't on the show no more. He's like, look, let me tell you how people are interpreting you, how your behavior is coming off. Like you did not handle this correctly. That's direct. I have not heard that type of shit from Pastor Cal a little bit. Like, <laughs> What I love about Nephew Tommy hosting Ready to Love, especially what I see in this clip, is that he is not afraid to be direct in the moment with the participants yes. in a way that they need to hear. He's not scared of tough love. And honestly, I think that makes such a huge difference in the way that they show up because they know that there is somebody who is actually holding them accountable mm -hmm. in the moment, in real time. It's going to make you show up differently if Tommy's calling you out on something or if you try to pull a fast one on one of the other contestants on the show, uh, that he's not going to be afraid to step in and tell you that you're wrong. Honestly, that's 99% of what's missing from a lot of these yes. shows and where they really go left is they don't have, it feels like there's nobody there who's really going to be not just the person guiding the audience through all these mm -hmm. interactions, but like also a person who's like in the participants corner. And I yeah. think that like Tommy plays that role perfectly. He is yeah. going to be your dating reality show participant advocate if there is such a thing. <laughs> so I'm so glad you said that. And I think we've, we've recommended Ready to Love to the audience, but I think we could go a step further. I think we could really help them understand just, you know, what it means to be on this journey to find love on this programming. We are going to bring on my absolute favorite part of the show. I have become one of his biggest fans. Tommy Miles, a.k.a. Nephew Tommy. Obviously, you know, we know you from the Steve Harvey Morning Show, but we also are just huge, huge fans of Ready to Love. I have to give Eric credit because he started watching it first and he got me into it. <laughs> and now, yeah, now we're all, we're, we're both addicted and it's just, it's so good. It's yeah. such a good show. All right. Okay. So just to ask a first question, we know you as a comedian and a morning show icon all these years. But, you know, now we see you stepping out as a reality show host on Ready to Love. What made you feel like you were the right person to lead that show? You know what? That's a good question. I actually never thought I was a, the right person. Um, but I got the right phone call. Mm. And it was from Will Packer. Mm. And for Will to give me a call and say, hey, I got something for you. I, I know this is perfect for you. And um, told me he had a, a television job for me. I, I thought I was being pranked. I'm not going to lie to you. I, I said, come on, man, this is not cool. And he was like, no, Tom, I'm serious, man. I got, I want you to host this show called Ready to Love. He said, you've been with your wife for some good years. And um, you guys are a perfect example. And I was like, okay, I just dropped to my knees and started crying. I couldn't believe I had a job. Oh. So it was a beautiful thing. I can't necessarily say I thought I was right. I think after doing it, for as long as I've been doing it now, 
I feel right for the part. Yeah. You mm. know, I've been, I've been married to my wife for 20 plus years and now I've been knowing her for 30 some years. So mm. we got a good relationship, great marriage. And, and, you know, just like everybody else, you got bumps and bruises here yeah. and there, but we, we both in it for the long haul. You know, the, the words say until death do us part. Mm-hmm. So if you want to leave, you got to lay it down. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever Will saw before, I, you know, one, I'm glad you uh, picked up that car. I mean, I think with his track record, you know, it was, it's a safe bet. But in addition right. to that, I think we also see uh, what he saw on the show. Like one of the things I think we love about kind of your role on the show is just how involved you are. You know, you know, sure, like you're a host, you're facilitating like this is what we're doing this week this is who you're going to be talking to. But there's also a lot of moments where you pop up as counselor, therapist, right. moderator. Right. I'm curious, like, how do you like or enjoy that? aspect of the job. I've seen some episodes where it gets a little hectic. I think I like that part the most because that's when you get the real Tommy, the real mm. Thomas Miles. You get who I am and you get my thoughts and, and, and my take on whatever they're they're going through. And there's no, you know, I'm not going to BS you and I'm not going to shuck and jive you. I'm going to give it to you straight. If you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. But, you know, how you how you going about this this journey of finding love, some people are doing it wrong and that's why you on the show because you've been doing it wrong, <laughs> you know, and and you got to have that person that's going to step up and tell it to you. And even if it's something that you that you don't want to hear, because, I mean, if you um, whatever you've been doing in past relationships, I got to get you to open up and realize that that hasn't been working. Yeah. So what do we do to fix that? How do we correct that? You know, and I think a lot of people come with a lot of um, a lot of baggage. Yeah. And if you're going to get with somebody and, and start a relationship, the first thing we got to start doing, is we got to, we got to unpack these bags. Mm-hmm. Let's see what's all in these bags. Let's see what's going on. That way we get it all out on the table and you don't have, you don't pop up later with some more bags. I don't know nothing about I want all your bags. <laughs> I want you to let all that out. Let me hear what it is and we can get through it. And I think once people open up and expose mm-hmm. what their issues have been, yeah. They become a better person. They've let it out. Now you can move forward. Mm-hmm. One of the other reasons we really love Rated Love in particular is that if honestly, it feels like a just a healthier environment for black people on dating shows. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, black women, yeah. you know, they often can be like disrespected and mistreated if they're like chosen, you know, by the uh, the, the male contestants on the shows at all. Uh you know, oftentimes there's only like one or two black people on the shows and often they can either be put together or it, even if there's a connection or not. And just so much of that doesn't fly on Ready to Love. You know, it's very much I've seen you and just the show itself really structured as a place where people are supposed to find love and like, you know, uh, a respectful way. And have you noticed any of those trends that I'm talking about? And I'm curious, like what it might feel like for you to be on a show that prioritizes the pursuit but also doing that in a thoughtful way. Doing it in a thoughtful way and doing it in a respectful way. The big difference uh, off the top, guys, is, you know, the the age bracket. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not in our 20s. You know, these are people late 30s, 40s, some of them even touching 50. You know, these are people that have uh, been married, gotten divorced. These are people who have been career-driven, haven't taken time to find love. So the nonsense is out the window. They really here for it. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to have a few that's just coming on trying to get the camera want to get the light i get that i'm up there when i find out who that is i call you out immediately because you you just in here tripping yes you do um but what i do what i do <laughs> like of, of, of what you just said earlier is um 
we're trying to find the seriousness. Everybody's looking for the same thing. This is not that show where, you know, we're not throwing water in each other's face. Mm -hmm. We're not going to have that. I'm not going to tolerate it. And that's, that's what I like about this show. This to me is, is classy. Mm -hmm. It's a great look at black love. It's a great look at, at black individuals trying to find love. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I think you put it perfectly. Uh, And, you know, I think about the fact that, you know, you mentioned you've been married to your wife for 20 plus years. Uh, you've known her for 30 plus years, yeah. you know, and and now you're hosting this show with people dating in today's environment. And, you know, Eric and I, we both have, we're, Eric is married, I'm engaged, I'm in a relationship for seven years. And so I'm like, today's environment is even different <laughs> <laughs> than it was for me seven way years ago. <laughs> it's way different. But I wonder from your perspective, as somebody who's been in a relationship for, for you know, 30 plus years, how is it different now looking for love than it was back when you found your wife? There was no texting. Hmm. There was the, this whole way of communicating now uh, is com- was was completely unheard of. So you know, if you want to go out with a young lady, you ask her for a date face to face. You you know, we communication was the key, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we would we would talk on the phone for hours. You know, that's that's <laughs> something different. People are not; they just texting, and you know, um, if you don't know all the acronyms, you you're gonna be stuck out. You gotta know everything that's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so dating was dating was and, and then there was there was dating you know mm-hmm. it, it meant something to go out to a movie on a friday or saturday night it meant something to go have dinner it, it was a big to do for me to scrap up the amount of money i needed to take my lady to red lobster and try to make it work <laughs> you know I'm, I'm, I, that's when you knew you could do math because i was adding in my head because i knew how much money i had <laughs> Well, we go over this fifty-eight dollars. We're not gonna make it up out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was. It was very different. Communication is so different now. Yeah. And um, I, I think, uh, and I tell that to a lot of my contestants that there's a difference between hearing and listening. Mm-hmm. There's a difference mm-hmm. between the two. You can hear all day long, but are you listening? And that is the key to a relationship to me. You got to listen to your partner. You got to listen to your spouse. I mean, and I'm guilty of it sometimes. I could be sitting there watching TV and my wife could be talking to me and I could be answering her questions, not even knowing what she's talking about. I'm hearing, but I'm not listening. And there is a difference between it. Mm. Mm. You give so much good advice on the show. You give so much good advice to the contestants. You've given us a lot of good advice in this conversation already. (laughs) Eric and I have been wondering, and we can get you to settle this for us. Have you gotten practice in advice giving from responding to all those strawberry letters (laughs) 22 over the years? Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. You know what you get you get practice in it. You know, mostly I'm, <laughs> I'm, mostly I'm listening to 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 Uncle Steve answer it. But when he's gone, mm-hmm. then I got to answer yeah. it. You know, and I I tell you something. Here's here's a quick story. There was one letter that that I, I swear it's been probably ten years ago, mm-hmm. but I remember like it was yesterday because I I could not fathom being in this situation. But there was a couple who met in college. Um, and they were, they both had graduated and now they're, they're still together. Let's see, they've gotten married. But one of the issues that they had both had is they, they, they had bitterness with their father because their father mm. had never been in their lives. And they decided to go back to their hometown and try to really 
fix it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm going to go with mm-hmm. my dad. You go to your dad. Let's let's just try to let's try to bury this because we're carrying this chip on our shoulder. And this couple, uh, there's there's some type of big family gathering, a reunion going on, and they said this was a great time to go. You know, I'm gonna invite my dad. You invite your dad. You know, we're out at the park and and having a good time with the family. Let's invite them, and and let's get you know let's get this behind us. They go to the park. The young lady is talking with her dad, and the guy walks up and says, "Wow, I see you met my daddy." They have the same father. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. And, and for the life of me, uh. I just could not fathom you coming to me and telling me that to me and my wife. I I would just, uh, the devastation of that. You know what I'm I mean? I'm devastated. I, I, I told I told my wife I would I would get on a one way ticket <laughs> to some island and that's and, it I, and go away for five years because I mean there's nothing I, I, I don't know what to do you know you need a break after that I don't know <laughs> you know, and, and trust me if you try to live under that roof with that in your head it's going yeah. to, it's going to crumble it's not it's not going to last no. You'll be surprised with some of these letters, man. They're crazy. I'm, it's crazy. Well, I'm so glad that the folks already love don't have to engage in situations like this <laughs> as, as consistently. Uh, you know, so reflecting on all this, or not necessarily that, but reflecting on Ready to Love and, and kind of some of those journeys, like, you know, Brittany and I are both a bit beyond the show. You know, I'm married. Brittany's <laughs> engaged. She'll be there soon. But there are a lot of mm-hmm. listeners who are still on their journey, you know, to find love. Right. I'm curious, like, if you had to bless us with tips for finding and maintaining lasting love, what would they be? I think the first thing is you have to be you have to be vulnerable. You have to be ready to open up mm. and and find what you're looking for or have what you're looking for find you. Mm -hmm. But in order for all of that to happen, you got to be vulnerable and you have to open up and be ready for the process. That is so important because if you're going to be a clam, there's no way you're going to let anybody in and you're not going to let yourself out. Mm -hmm. It works both ways. That's one. Mm -hmm. I think secondly, we go back to communication. Communication is such an important key. How you guys communicate, how y'all deal with each other on a daily basis, how you argue, because arguments are going to happen. Uh, uh, misunderstandings or disagreements, it's going to happen. That's just part of life. How you deal with it, how you move on. How does the rest of the night go? You know what I mean? If that's your ride or die partner, guess what? When y'all wake up in the morning, we got to still get it. We still, we, we, we are still tight and tight and tight and, and nothing should be able to break that barrier. That's what I mean when I say 20 plus years and we riding until the wheels fall off. Yeah. You got to be ready for that. You know, so the respect level from both individuals has to be there. You know, we couldn't bring you on and not talk about your day job. The Steve Harvey Morning Show <laughs> is one of the longest running syndicated urban format radio shows in history. Talk to us about what it means to be a part of such an iconic show and to have been a part of it for so long. When people tell me how long it's been and 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 what it is and how big of a benchmark it is, how big of a pillar it is to our community, it's it's amazing to look back on it and look back at all the good times. I don't know if you guys know it, but I was opening up for Luther Vandross. And, wow. and I opened for Luther for three years. And he took me all over the country and then he got ready to go to he got ready to go to Europe. 
the guys that I hung out with was the band. I hung out with the band. <laughs> uh, they were getting ready to go to, to Europe, and I was like, you know what? I guess I'll catch you guys. I mean, he's not going to need me in, in Europe. I get a call from the road manager, and he says, hey, the boss wants to take you with him. I was like, really? So I go. we go to the U.K., and I perform and couldn't believe it. We're in front of 10,000 people, and it's just an amazing feeling, yeah. right? So we come back to the States, and Luther says, hey, I'm going to write a new album. Uh, we're going to take about four or five months off, and uh, when I come back, we're going to be back on the road. We're going to hit it again. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to go to Hollywood with my all of my acting buddies, and I'm going I'm to go down there and, and do some auditioning and see if I can get some work. Uh-huh. And uh, I go to Hollywood, and, you know, that's where you that's where you in an apartment with five, six people. Yeah, I remember that stage. You, know, you, got, a and, you got a pillow and a blanket, and, and that's your part on the floor right there. And uh, this is when you open up the refrigerator and everything's got a sticky on it. If your name ain't on it, don't touch it. <laughs> I was living, I was living in a crash pad and, um, Steve's manager gave me a call and said, Hey, I know you're in town. I said, yeah, I'm here for like four or five months. And he said, well, you know, why don't you come on up and hang out and get with Steve and you guys talk, talk smack like you normally do. And, 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 and we'll see what, you know, just come on the radio. I said, all right. I said, what time? He said, get here about 5, 5.30. I said, cool, cool. I'll eat dinner early. He was like, no, 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 no. He said, in the morning. I said, in the morning? <laughs> 530 in the morning? You lost your mind? Because I'm in a crash pad. We party till 4 o'clock. <laughs> so I go, I go, and, and I get on the radio with Steve and in Los Angeles, and it is is a hit mm. all over the city. It's wow. who is this guy's nephew. He's crazy. He's bananas. <laughs> and here's the amazing part is Luther died. Mm. And that was just the end of it's just, God gave me a job before I knew I even needed one. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing now to look back and say, wow. Yeah. He created my transition for me. Right when Luther was fading out, it's like I jumped ship and landed on my feet yeah. on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. And I'm still there today. That is <laughs> a wow. beautiful story. I mean, <laughs> in, in a few years, the Steve Harvey Morning Show will have hit the Tom Joyner show's record. No. I mean, the Tom yeah. Joyner show was on forever. How does that feel? Oh, like we ought to be in the Radio Hall of Fame. Hey, hey, <laughs> they need to call. <laughs> Make the call. <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing. Great, 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 great. Um, and we still got the same chemistry. It's still working. It's yeah. still, uh, you know, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm 54 years old and I'm still playing on the phone. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it, you know? well, we sincerely, sincerely appreciate it. Honestly, it's, you know, it's been uh, such a pleasure to just have you with us all these years, you know, so it's it's, it's really nice. I'm, I'm glad y'all are creeping up on that record. We're, we're going to let you go real mm-hmm. soon. I got, there's like one more thing I got to ask you about. Sure. Uh, sure. Yes. So, you know, I have noticed from seeing you. We on, have no. We have no. Excuse me. From seeing you on Ready to Love, that uh, yeah. Mr. Tommy Miles, you are sharp. I have to yes. call out <laughs> in particular one outfit from season four. It was the pool episode. You had mm. a white silk set with like a baby blue flower detail. I just, I just want you to know, I saw it. I recognize it was nice. It's celebrated. <laughs> that was nice. So talk to us a bit about your style. And I'm curious, you know, 
Steve has been celebrated for his style as of late. Is that is that a competition between you, between you two? Have you, has he taken a few notes from you or vice you know, versa? <laughs> well, he, he, he definitely came down about twenty buttons less. You know, he definitely did that. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm I'm always telling him, welcome to the two buttons. You know what I mean? Two buttons, <laughs> but you know, I I think, but as I was younger, you know, he was he was who I looked up to. So. I, I had some of those suits, mm-hmm. you know, but as I started to come into my own, you know, I started changing and, and the transition started happening and I started loving uh, sneakers and blazers. It started being my thing, just sneakers and a nice sports jacket. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Louboutin fanatic. So I think I got every <laughs> sneaker they made. Oh, and, uh, it has just become a certain style. And then he stepped his game up a, a whole nother level. Yeah. And, um, you know, he got some colors out this world now. And I'm like, boy, look at you. <laughs> you, you never could have got him in a skinny leg. You never hey. could have got him in his penny leg. He seemed comfortable now. now he got <laughs> yeah, so now, now he's rocking <laughs> it. And, uh, but I think we both have our own different fingerprints on how we look. You know, I think he's got his, I got mine. And and um, uh, we don't look the same, but when we're together, we, we, we compliment each other. And you both stand out. Well, definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, Tommy Miles, nephew Tommy, thank you so much for your time thank today. Thank you so we much. We sincerely appreciate it. Uh, it just means a lot to have have you out there and have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And hopefully hopefully I'll be in New York performing soon. You guys come see me. We'd love to. Oh, it would be a yeah, pleasure. you said nothing but a word. Okay. All right, talk soon. For Colored Nerds was created by me, Brittany Luce, and Eric Eddings. It's supported by our production team at Stitcher, including producer Alexis Williams and social producer Elise Ellis. Marcus Hom is our engineer and Peter Clowney is head of content. Our theme music is by Willie Green. And look, y'all, we love hearing from our listeners. We love you all so much. So please connect with us and tell us what you thought of this episode. You can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at For Colored Nerds. And never miss an episode by following us on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen. Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly.